No surprises here, everyone. ESCOM says stage six is now indefinite, and winter, as we all know, is just around the corner. The nation's anger is palpable, and there is also reported and increasing tension between the energy minister and the president. And after months of no oversight, the SABC finally has a board of directors. The big broadcasting ship now has some much-needed governance, but here's the question. Is it going to be exercised judiciously, particularly ahead of next year's very difficult election? All of this on this week's ScrollerCast, Scroller Africa's weekly podcast. I'm Jeremy Maggs, and with me, as always, is political editor Zukili Majova. Zukili, before we talk, let me just put some geographical perspective into our conversation, and maybe that leads nicely into uh, our first topic, which is about ESCOM and Stage 6 Indefinite. Um, as I speak to tonight as we record this podcast i'm sitting in downtown nairobi in kenya and uh, the astonishing thing is that uh, there is light everywhere i'm looking across the city and uh, i don't see a dark blotch anywhere as we've become so used to seeing in johannesburg the other interesting thing is when i talk to people in this country about the uh problems that we've got with power generation, there is a metaphorical shaking of the head. One person turned around to me today and said, how can that be? We've actually got a surplus of electricity in this country. He's a well-known journalist in Nairobi. And it was on my mind to say, well, perhaps you could give me a little bit of that so I could uh, bring it home to South Africa. But the reality here is... uh, ESCOM and Stage 6 indefinite, things particularly ahead of winter, as I mentioned, are getting very, very difficult, aren't they? Yeah, it's getting worse, Jeremy. Unfortunately, it's getting worse. I mean, Unit 2 in Quebec has tripped, so there's no power coming out of of Quebec at all. So it's really, really getting worse. <laughs> so you are lucky there. Well, you're very, you're very welcome uh, to come and join me, Zucchini, if you want to, because it really is a stunning country. But um, is there a general sense, do you think, that uh, people, politicians, have now almost kind of given up, uh, that uh, it's, it's become a, a kind of a roll of the dice philosophy? There's an unfortunate thing about the ANC, Jeremy. When there's a problem, the first thing they do is deal with the PR. Whether it's those girls in Kruger Stop, they jumped and arrested everybody, turned the whole thing into a Zama-Zama issue. It's the same story with ESCOM. You know, there is a problem. You know what the problem is. Fix it. I mean, the ANC has generated two power stations in 30 years. That's all that they've built. And and those power stations are not working properly. Since last week, actually Sunday Times reported on Thursday that we were on stage seven. On Friday, on stage five. Saturday, uh, unit two broke down at, at, at Quebec. Then we're on stage six. All the way Monday, Tuesday, we're still on stage six, and now we're on stage six indefinitely. That tells you there are no immediate solutions. Last night, the president uh, chaired a cabinet meeting to look into the whole thing about load shedding and what can be done in the immediate term. They came out with nothing. In that meeting, they discussed prolonging some of the coal-fired power stations. Obviously, this is against the new uh, just transition that we have accepted with 155 billion rand uh, uh, funded by the first world countries. The whole point is not to prolong these old power stations, especially the ones that do not have these modern uh, chimneys that reduce dirty air and all of that. But now we're about to prolong their, their, their lifespan. Obviously, that comes strictly against that. Engineers are saying that is not a solution. In any case, a 1930s power station bringing it back to life, 
that's not going to work. It's just going to keep tripping as they are keeping tripping. We've got problems, Jeremy, big ones. We have huge problems indeed. And at what point, given that the clock for the election is ticking ever louder, do we start to sense a, a, a feeling of desperation within the ruling party? It would worry a lot of people listening to this conversation when you say that a cabinet ma- a meeting was convened. This is the very highest body in the land that is tasked with making good, clear, strategic decisions. Nothing came out of that. We'll get to the tension that exists within the energy cabal in just a moment. But uh, at, at, at what point, I wonder, does a, a real sense of desperation start to uh, play within the party, given, Zucchili, that uh, every time uh, we have another setback like this, and uh, again, stage six indefinite, you can virtually see either the votes uh, going out the door or people saying to themselves, I've had enough, I'm simply not going to vote next year. Well, in the immediate term, the economy in just 10 years has lost around 10 billion rand. We're losing a billion rand every day. And like I'm, like I'm saying, it's, it's, it's getting worse. The kind of description that you give of what a cabinet meeting should look like, in, in, in a case where there's an emergency, you would assume that they had energy analysts, they had nuclear uh, guys, they had uh, uh, top professors, to just to brief the cabinet on what can you do immediately. I'm bringing in nuclear guys now because the power station in Cape Town, only, our only nuclear power station, is now drawing power from the grid just to cool the, the nuclear core. It's not producing anything. That's a 1,900 megawatts lost already. And you do not have those professionals. That's what, Because that's what you do. You don't say these are ANC people. You bring the best of South Africa to the cabinet, at least to brief the cabinet. The cabinet can make a proper decision. There is nothing like that. And then to my point about how politically damaging this is becoming every single day to the ruling party, uh, the potential loss is incalculable. It's been horrible on President Cyril Ramaphosa. I remember when he came in, he was a darling of everyone. Actually, from the time he came in as deputy president in the Zuma regime, business was saying, we can't do business with these people. They, they don't reason like business. They need to give us somebody who can talk to us in a language that we can understand. And that's how Cyril Ramaphosa was brought in. You know, going to the last election in 2019, he was the guy. It's not the ANC that won that election. It's Ramaphosa's reputation and the sense of hope that he brought. But if you're looking at today, apparently his approval rating has fallen from about 49% to 40%. And that's down to load shedding. So increasingly going towards the election, if these things continue, Palapala continues and 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 all these uh, people looting money and not being punished, his his reputation is 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 in tatters. His reputation and obviously his legacy as well. And none of this, of course, has helped Zakili, as I mentioned at the start of our conversation, by um, spats, arguments, disagreements uh, between those in the cabinet that are tasked with the generation of power. What's happening on that front? Again, more trouble there, Jeremy. As you know, cabinet is divided. Yesterday they issued a statement. Trying to say cabinet is not divided on any issue. It's quite clearly divided. For instance, some people are proposing car powership. Nobody wants those things because of the environment and all of that. And they are said to be temporary immediate solution. They are not because the contracts are, are stretching 20 years, Jeremy. That's that's not that's not <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Again, that's a knee-jerk reaction to a problem that that exists. And again, in other countries, those solutions have worked. Maybe you get to a country that produces its own gas, for instance. In our case, it's not just you just dock the ship in Deben or whatever. You still have to get, get gas power, and, and we don't have it. It's not a resource that, that we just have it. You can give it away. You know? So there are no immediate solutions. Obviously, the political uh, problems still remain. And quite sadly, 
even in this crisis, the president is not saying to the Minister of Minerals and Energy, we've got an energy crisis in this country, you come up with a solution. He's busy looking for solutions everywhere else, and no one is blaming directly Gwede Mantashe and say, what solution do you have? You know, it's interesting because as you're talking about uh, the tensions and the inability of uh, cabinet members uh, to reach some kind of uniform consensus. I'm again reminded of a conversation that I had with another media practitioner in the Kenyan capital in the past day or two. You'll be well aware that uh, over the past three weeks or so, uh, there have been increasingly angry protests on the streets about the cost of living. Uh, And in particular, the staple in Kenya, maize meal, the price has gone up by something like uh, 37%. So it is of huge concern. What has happened, though, is that there has been a a general acceptance by all politicians across all parties to turn around and say, we have a collective crisis. Uh, Let's put our heads together and let's start talking about this. The the, the, The result or the consequence, should I say, of that decision by mature political thinking has been a a slight mollification as far as uh, the population of the country is concerned. And they have said, okay, we will give you some time to talk to each other, to bring in experts and to come up with a better solution uh, to uh, to uh, to the food crisis in the country. And it comes down to proper, mature politicking. And as I hear you talk about uh, the the difficulties around the cabinet to talk about the electricity crisis, I can't help but draw a comparison between those two issues and say to myself that something really is wrong in the way in which we manage the body politic in South Africa. That is so unfortunate, Jeremy, but we are, we are really far from, from that kind of thinking in this country. I mean, in the beginning, after 94, the, you, you had professionals and, and professors coming through for every debate. You know, if you, are, if you are discussing an education policy, they would come through and tell you what the issues are, where the pitfalls are. Right now, you don't hear any voices from the professionals. You don't hear. It, actually, there has been a legacy in this country where any professional, any any professor that comes out and says this is what government is doing wrong, that person is going to be sidelined, is going to be clobbered. You know, you never be invited. For instance, when we had a problem with the uh, HIV and AIDS issue. All the people who are commenting about it, that we are going about it the wrong way, those people are taken out. On World AIDS Day, don't quote that guy. Don't bring that guy into the conference. Don't let him present his paper. So people have, people have been shut down, Jeremy. Again, we're hearing very, very smart people, and we've got very smart people in this country, even on the issue of energy and what the solution should look like. But you don't see them at the round table. We are in for a long, desperate, cold winter. And as you correctly said uh, when we started this conversation, uh, it's uh, it might be stage six indefinite, but uh, there have been analytic reports saying that, in fact, we have already hit uh, early degrees of stage seven. So it is a very worrying situation. Let's turn our attention to the public broadcaster. And after many, many months uh, of uh, prevarication, as far as the president is concerned, uh, we now have a board that has been appointed. I've not had an opportunity, Zakili, to look at the exact composition of the board, uh, but uh, the fact that some governance finally exists 
uh, within the echelons of the SABC surely is something to be welcomed. Jeremy, as you know, I've run radio stations. A board is very important. The last radio station I ran, actually as recent as October last year, uh, I was a station manager there. A board is very, very important for governance, for, for approval of things. But it's so unfortunate these days, Jeremy, everything in society has been politicized. You try to put together a board, it becomes a political thing. People generally are looking at their own things. People are the cost of living. People are trying to get their kids to school. So when you say let's get organized groups, people are, people just don't come true. So you've got political parties that are organized. They get their people in the hall. They elect themselves, etc. That's been the problem with electing the SABC board. There's been a huge fight about who should be on the board. And most importantly, it's about the credibility of some of the people. Let's say uh, Marco Penny, for instance, Petty. They don't want her. And we are lucky that we have her. So that coming elections, good luck trying to manipulate her to agree uh, or not interviewing so-and-so and only interviewing so-and-so. You know, So a lot of people have that confidence in her and they know that at least they've got somebody there who is a professional who's not just going to just uh, uh, turn into a politician. They would rather fire her in terms of my... My knowledge of her, I'll be disappointed if she changes. So there's there's some kind of confidence in, 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 in how this board is looking. And this is absolutely critical, particularly as we head towards next year's election. But you also make an interesting point about uh, the composition and the lifespan of boards when it comes to any kind of uh, parastatal organization. Uh, Patricia DeLille uh, this week uh, dissolving uh, the Board of South African Tourism after the Tottenham Hotspur scandal. Uh, I, there've also been uh, issues with SAA, as we well know, and uh, Derek Hanekom has now been appointed the interim chairman. That word interim plays around a lot when it comes to the composition of boards in South Africa. But the reality is uh, we don't have a good pedigree of uh, boards of directors when it comes to these big institutions with huge budgets and many, many people that they employ. And let's just remind ourselves again of how important the role of a board of directors is. If it's doing its job properly, there is a line of tension that exists between it and the executive, and they need to be asking tough difficult, interrogative, awkward questions about governance. They're not there to be involved in the day-to-day -day operations of an organization. It's that important issue of oversight, something which in many instances in this country we seem to have lost. So I hope your positive uh, comments about uh, the SABC board uh, remain intact and that it actually does its job because uh, it's the SABC is such a, such a powerful organization with such reach and influence uh, all over the country and, in fact, all over the continent. Again, as I'm, to as I'm talking to you this evening, uh, sitting in a hotel room in Nairobi, I'm watching SABC News. So, uh, you know, what happens, uh, what happens in South Africa uh, is reported on the SABC and is uh, broadcast all over the continent. Well, Jeremy, <laughs> unfortunately, this board is coming in at the worst time. This is, the, this is going to be the longest election campaign before an election in the history of this country. Political parties are already campaigning for the elections, Jeremy. So 
that means everybody is in election mode now. So this board comes in a difficult time like this. The ANC is under pressure. It looks like they are going to be around 50%, even under 50%. If you look at things, if they don't resolve load shading, they're definitely going to fall under 50%. Now, some provinces like Gauteng, even if you look at KZN, the rise of the IFP, you can immediately see that the, the, the ANC is going to fall under 50% in those provinces. A coalition is going to come true. So this board is coming to to it, with an environment like that, you know, the more airtime they give to the opposition, which they should, that's what the, that's what the broadcast policy of, of a national broadcaster is, is supposed to say. You know, the more airtime they give to the opposition, it's going to be like they are anti-ANC. The more they try to be, let's say you are going to a township and you are doing a story, a simple story about service delivery. Obviously, who is in government? You are exposing the ANC. You know, it's, it's, it's a very, very difficult time. They're going to have to stand their ground. I don't know how many of them can stand their ground. So, Kilo, I, I also have to tell you and our audience that uh, I was slightly lying uh, when I said I was just watching the SABC. <laughs> I've also got my eye on uh, the uh, IPL, uh, where the uh, Kolkata Knight Riders are playing the Delhi Capitals. It's getting to a very interesting point in this uh, T20 match. So, I'm going to say at this point that, that is, this is this <laughs> week's uh, scroller cast. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Zakili in Johannesburg, Jeremy in Nairobi. Uh, Toby Shapshak is our executive producer, and Hans uh, Baumgarten is our sound director. Uh, if you like this conversation, please rate us wherever you get your podcasts and uh, more content daily on scroller.africa.